Hey everyone, welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast. My name is Nathan, and I serve here as the lead pastor at Pathway Church in Peterborough, Ontario. We are on a mission to reach people far from God and see them become devoted followers of Jesus. Well, it is 2021. We have made it. We have made it through the year that was 2020, and I'm so glad you're with us today. We're kicking off a brand new four-week message series called You in Five Years, and this message series was originally written by Levi Lusco and Fresh Life Church, and we're adapting it and sharing some of their content as well as we share this message of hope and transformation, and, and we're inviting you to ask the question, who could I be in five years? So you won't want to miss, you want to come back uh, each week of the series and join with us so if it's your first time, we'd love to have you subscribe to our podcast and so you can track with us each and every week. Enjoy uh, this message as we kick off the new year together. I just wanted to just take a moment for all of us as a church family, and our Pathway Church extends throughout the city of Peterborough, the county of Peterborough, and beyond. We have folks watching from other provinces and other countries. And I just wanted to take this moment together to just all, as a church, online, to take a big, deep breath together. Just breathe in and... We made it through 2020. Can you believe it? We made it through. Honestly, if I could go back 12 months and as the clock turned over at midnight a year ago, I was thinking uh, I had all these plans and all these aspirations for 2020. You probably did too. And I'm guessing that some of those plans, some of those things you were going to do, maybe it was a vacation, a new business, a venture, a sport, some of it got canceled, derailed. 2020 is just one of those years. I saw a post on Facebook that says it's just a dumpster fire every year, and it just felt like that. And so as we enter into 2021, and this is the first Sunday of the new year, uh, we kind of do so cautiously. And again, I'm not on Facebook much, but this week I saw a post on there uh, right before uh, New Year struck, and it, and it said this. So someone from our church said, 2021 starts Friday. So this was a few days prior. Everyone needs to put on their best smile that day and walk in very quietly and don't touch anything. Uh, man, that just resonated with me. I saw that and I'm like, yes, that's how I feel. It's like, maybe I should just, maybe I should just enter into the year very cautious. I mean, we want to be hopeful that 2021 is going to be way better up and to the right compared with 2020, but there are no guarantees. And so this morning we're kicking off a brand new four week message series, which is really one sermon over four weeks. And we really want to dive into this theme and the sermon series is called you in five years. And we want to ask the question throughout this series of who do you want to become over the next five years? Uh, where would you like to see yourself in the next five years? In fact, let me invite you into a little, um, a little activity. I want you to just try to picture, try to picture in your mind, your age. And all the young people are going to find this very easy. They're like, oh, 12, 16, 25. Everyone 40 and older is going to have to start doing math. Like, okay, I was born in, uh, yeah, because once you get 40, you just stop trying to remember your age. You kind of try to forget, but I want you to just a picture. You get that number in your head, and now I want you to add five years to it. And once you've done that, I want you to consider where you think you'll be. What do you see as you imagine yourself five years from now? And, and even a better question is, are you excited about what you see? Are you excited about what you anticipate? for five years from today. You know, um, 
I want to begin by sharing a quote with you, and I, I couldn't figure out who to attribute this to. I've heard Bill Gates say it. I've heard Craig Rochelle say it. I've heard various authors say it. But it's a principle that I think we all recognize to be true. And the principle says this, we overestimate what we can do in a short period of time, and we underestimate what we can accomplish in a long period of time. It's this idea that we think we can get a lot done in a short time, and we underestimate how much we can actually do in a large period of time. I mean, lots of people wonder to themselves, they go, man, I I think I can lose 20 pounds in a month. Technically, it's probably possible Not healthy, but possible. I mean, if all you ate was cabbage and water for 30 days straight, get the flu around week two, ta-da, you're going to be successful. I mean, you might lose 20 pounds, but again, who wants to do that? And and it's not sustainable. You'll never keep the weight off. So we want to get quick results. And magazines, if you're in a grocery store and you take a look over at the magazine rack, I don't encourage you to do that because of what you might find there. But if you look at the magazine rack, you're going to see all of these banners across the magazines, you know, uh, rock hard abs in 30 days, you know, find the man of your dreams, 30 days, you know, fix your marriage, 30 days, biceps, 30 days. And it's just like these short term, massive changes. And the reason why those magazines stay in business, is because it doesn't, it doesn't work. We want a quick fix. We want to do things quickly, but instead we ought to consider what we could accomplish over the long term. And that's what I want us to consider uh, as we enter into this series. What could you and I accomplish in five years? What could we achieve in not a month, but in 60 months? What could you do with that amount of time? That's the question I want us to consider today. Um, I want us to turn to Romans chapter 13. That's going to be our text for today. And we're going to be looking at that together. And uh, while you're turning there, and if you don't have a Bible, we'll have the the words up on the screen for you. I want to share with you the title of this first message in the series. And the, the title of this message is The Life You Get Stuck With. The Life You Get Stuck With. Sometimes it feels like we're trapped in our life. It feels like this is what I've got to deal with. And it feels like we can't change. And it feels like we get stuck with it. Today and over the next four weeks, we're going to learn how to change all that. So we're going to go to Romans chapter 13 and begin reading in verse 11. And these are the words of Paul the Apostle. And Paul the Apostle is actually writing to a group of Christians, a church that was in Rome nearly 2,000 years ago. And here's what he says to them in Romans 13, verse 11. He says, besides this, you know the time, the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. Now, Paul's talking about Christians, people who believe in Jesus, who follow Jesus, who are asleep. And he's like, hey guys, you got to wake up. Hey Christian, you are, you are literally sleepwalking through your life. You are daydreaming. You are, you are in, a, in a vision that, that isn't real. Like you need to wake up. Wake up. That's what he tells them to do. Wake up. Your life is on cruise control. And then he says this. He says, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. And this is kind of weird because a lot of people think about salvation and and Christianity as a moment. Like I, I said a prayer and I got saved. And so it's like, what does he mean salvation is nearer? I thought I was already saved. And that's because the, 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 the moment of salvation happens is the decision But the process of salvation begins, and we walk out our salvation. We walk out the Christian life day by day by day. See, Christianity isn't just about something you believe. 
Christianity is a way to live. Christianity is a way that we treat other people, how we honor God, reading and obeying the scriptures. There's so much to it. And so he's going to encourage them to line up their life with the things that they say they believe. Salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. He says, the night is far gone and the day is at hand. Then he goes on to say this, so then let us cast off works of darkness and put on the armor of light. One of the things that Paul would do consistently is use the language of getting dressed. And getting dressed is something that all of us, well, we used to do it every day. A lot of people probably just, you know, they work in their pajamas. Maybe you're watching church in your pajamas. You just go back to sleep in the same pajamas. But usually, okay, under normal circumstances, we get dressed every day. And Paul loved to use that analogy when he was teaching people to say, listen, just like you get up in the morning and you put on a fresh pair of clothes, we get up every day as followers of Jesus and we, we put off old ways of living, thinking and being, and we put on a new way of living. We put on something. We, we set our minds, we set our bodies, our alignment, our time, our hearts, we set it and we put on something. He calls it the armor of light. Then he continues and says this, let us walk properly as in the daytime on purpose, not in orgies or drunkenness, not in sexual immorality or in sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy. Now, that seems to me like a pretty extreme list. But what Paul is trying to say when he gives us his list, he's trying to say, listen, when you and I get up in the morning and decide, I want to do what feels good today, I want to do what I want to do today, it will lead down the path in that direction. And so he says, instead of us following our bodily, fleshly desires, living in the moment. He says, instead, here's what I want to encourage you to do. I want to encourage you to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Paul says, I want you to take off an old way of living, thinking, being, and I want you to put on Christ. I want to put his way on, his attitude on his motives, his love, his forgiveness. I want you to put that on. So he's actually encouraging Christians, believe it or not, he's encouraging them to change the way they live. He's encouraging them uh, to live and, and do life in an absolutely brand new way. So today, as we begin this series called You in Five Years, this is what I want to do. I want to encourage each and every one of us to take the long view, to not just think about what's here in front of me today, but to think about eternity, to think about what pleases God, to think about what's going to matter when we're gone. And maybe we'll just rewind the tape a little bit and look at the next five years because we can accomplish so much in the next five years. So I want to encourage you as we kick off this series to do this. I want to encourage you to ask the question today and over the next seven days, who do I want to be in the next five years? What do I want to accomplish in the next five years? And maybe if you really want to get crazy, and we love getting crazy at Pathway, all right, if you really want to get crazy, pray this prayer. God, who would you have me be in the next five years? And that's a prayer he'll answer. And when he does, we're going to have to make some changes, but it leads somewhere really good. Let me, let me pray, and then we're going, to, we're going to dive into this this morning. Father, thank you for every person listening to the sound of my voice on the online, on the internet, uh, over the airwaves. God, I thank you that you are a God that calls us not to stay the same, but to change and to put on Christ. And Lord, today as we kick off a new series, I recognize that all of us have lots to change. 
But Lord, I also recognize that you are actively involved and you want to lead us through the process of transformation, the process of change and growth, that we might become more like Jesus, the one whom we follow. And so Lord, today we open this service and we just ask God, would you speak to us today? Would you lead us in a new way? Would you transform us so that in five years from today, we can look back and say, look what God has done. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Man, imagine with me what you could accomplish with five years of consistent, diligent effort in one area. Just just imagine with me what you could accomplish. I got a little list of them written down here in front of me. Uh, Maybe if you're just graduating high school, I want you to think about this, because I know when you're young, time just seems like it's going so slow, but five years from today, you could be finished your degree, your diploma, your trade school, your whatever, and you could actually have a career and a job and an apartment. Like that's a lot of change. Five years. Even if you're 40 something, consider this. Five years from today, you could have a new career. You could have gone back to school, learned a new skill, new trade, new diploma, and you could be in an entirely different field than the one you're in. That brought a smile to someone's face. Like maybe, maybe I could get out of this, right? There's so much potential in a five-year window of time. In five years, you could learn to become very proficient in an instrument. Even if you've never picked up an instrument before, if you decided, hey, over the next five years, I'm going to daily take time to set aside and work on learning an instrument, you could, I have a friend who's older than I am, and he decided he wanted to learn the electric guitar, which I think is amazing. And over the next five years, with diligence and practice and effort, consistently over five years, he could become a virtuoso. I mean, he could become an amazing guitar player. He could join a band, rock band. You know, smoke, you know, local thing, leather pants. He could be lead guitar, maybe even on the church worship team, minus the leather pants. But he could do that. He could, he could literally learn an instrument, become proficient. Imagine what you could do. In five years, uh, you could learn you could learn a new language. How about that? Can you imagine learning a new language over the next five years? That's enough time to do that. Uh, my ten-year-old daughter, uh, she's doing online school right now, and whenever she gets bored, she goes online because you can do that, and she's learning Japanese. So, like, you could learn in five years from now, you could be fluent in Japanese. Just imagine that. That'd be that'd be awesome. You'd know what I'm saying when I say "bao nendeyanata." That's Japanese for you in five years, by the way. I got it on Google Translate. So, uh, but you wouldn't need it if you learned Japanese. So that would be pretty. That'd be pretty awesome financially. Think about this. Perhaps you're a person who is currently under the weight of debt. Maybe you're maxed out your credit cards. You're trying to make your minimum payments. I want you to picture this, because there's some things you can do in five years that you can't do in one. And maybe you look at your future and you go, "Man, I'm, it's hopeless for me. Bankruptcy is the only option." You could literally in five years. If you put a plan in place and a budget and you got serious about it, in five years, you could be debt-free. You could have a savings account with some money in it and you could have hope for the future. You can't do it in one, but in five years of consistent, diligent effort, imagine what you could do. In five years, you could read 60 books. You go, 60 books, man, I don't even like reading. But listen, you read for five to 10 minutes a day. That's it, five to 10 minutes a day. And you could read a book a month. You could read 60 books a year. Imagine how smart you could be in such a short amount of time. Like, that's crazy, crazy what you can do uh, with some consistent, diligent effort over a five-year span of time. Think about this. Imagine how much closer you could get to God in that time. 
One of the ways we get close to God is, is prayer, of course, and another is reading the scriptures so we know how God thinks and, and what he said. And if you were reading the scriptures, uh, you would literally only have to read two chapters a day. Two. Two chapters a day. And if you did that consistently for five years, guess what? You would have read through the entire Bible three times. Just imagine five years from now how much scripture could be in your heart. And when you run into difficult times and when, you, when you're fearful and when you're uncertain and you don't know, you will, you will you'll have these verses just popping up reminding you of what God has said. You could have that with a small, consistent discipline over a five-year period of time. And of course, everything that I'm saying about what you can achieve in five years through consistent effort actually can work in reverse for you as well. Five years from today, you could find yourself going through a difficult divorce that you did not see coming. Five years from today, you could be filing for bankruptcy. Five years from today, you could be 30, 40 pounds heavier on blood thinners going, what happened to me? Five years from today, you could be addicted to substances. You could be in prison. I mean, it sounds extreme, but it's true. Five years of, of diligent effort in one direction or the other can do so much. The point is simply this, that five years is a lot of time to make progress in one direction or the other. And the amazing thing is that you and I get to decide today how our story will be written over the next five years. So I want to share a, a few ideas with you today and just kind of prime the pump for the next three weeks and I hope that we'll go on a journey together of figuring out how we can make some small adjustments that we consistently put into practice that changes the trajectory of where we end up. And I wanted to share this idea that small changes in behavior over a long period of time will produce significant results. Small things over a long period of time have the power to, to have lasting change and to, to impact way more than we could ever think. And that's because of, of this idea of time and consistency. And when you have time and you do something consistently, what you get is exponential growth. And I think we've all, we've all seen the graph. You know, you've seen the graph. If you've been to the, if you've been to the financial planner's office, you've, you've seen the graph and you know, you'd think, well, if I just put $20 a week or a hundred dollars a week in a bank account, it's going to grow, you know, in a straight line. But then what you discover is with interest compounding over time, you get this exponential curve, which is absolutely unbelievable. The growth begins to over time with consistency begins to absolutely take off and pay off. We call it compound interest, and uh, Albert Einstein, I got a quote from him, Albert Einstein said this, he said, compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. He who understands it earns it, and he who doesn't pays it. And if you understand how this principle applies and you're investing wisely, then your money over time will be going up. And if you don't, and you're paying high interest on your house and on your credit cards, you will have the net opposite effect where you will just lose and lose and lose and lose. And by the way, Albert Einstein, I wanted to include the picture. Isn't he a handsome fellow? And uh, I found out a number of years ago when my family in Quebec did, uh, what do you call that, family tree, I discovered that my grandmother is actually distantly related to Albert Einstein. And I assure you that that fact has come up in conversations and arguments with my wife, although it never seems to help. It's just like reminding her. Anyways, it's pretty distant pretty distant connection, but, but this is incredible that compound interest has the power over time to make absolutely dramatic change. And, and so you might think to yourself, well, that's great pastor, but that's just, that's just money. That's just money. And I would say, no, what I want to do is I want to show you in the scriptures, uh, how this principle is not just a financial principle, but it's actually something that's found in God's word. 
when we see it in the scripture, it's actually called the principle of sowing and reaping. And in the scriptures, it talks often about the power of a seed. And you put seed in the ground and that one seed turns into a plant that produces many seeds, many fruits, many grains. So you have this multiplication effect that happens when we sow and reap. And that's the same principle we're talking about. And it applies to our lives. Here's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, in verse 10. He says, he who supplies seed to the sower, that's God. He's created it. He's put these processes in, in place. He who provided seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed. He will multiply it. God is the one that actually makes this whole thing work, that when we do something consistently over time, that it compounds. God set that in motion. And he says, he'll increase the harvest of your righteousness. And the reason why I wanted to see that is because um, compounding interest, this idea of sowing and reaping and, and doing something consistently over time and seeing more of it is actually a principle that God has put in place. And it doesn't just apply to your money. It's not just about your retirement. It applies to love and kindness. It applies to your relationships. If you invest in your relationships consistently over time, they will grow like that. If you invest in your faith, your faith will grow exponentially. If you invest in your marriage, that quality of that marriage will grow exponentially. This is a principle that when put in place. So again, we're so tempted to want to find a small thing and do it like crazy, like all in, full tilt, you know, six date nights a week for a month. We're going to fix the marriage. But really what we need is small, consistent investments over time that compound. And you can't get it any other way. I love this. C.S. Lewis, the, the great author, said this, and I'm not related to him. But he said, good and evil, okay, good and evil both increase at compound interest. They both go like this. Uh, if you do the right things consistently, your life will just continue to get better. And when you make poor choices, when you make um, selfish choices, everything just begins to spiral out of control. And that's why Paul says, listen, church, Paul says, you guys, you got to wake up. You've got to wake up. You've got to recognize that the time is short and what you do with your life matters. You've got to pay attention. There's so much to do. It's this principle that ongoing consistency is much more important than short-term intensity. That's why the 30 days to a better whatever doesn't work because it doesn't last. It's the small things done over time that have the biggest impact and have a lasting impact. And the reason why it's so beneficial is because it leverages time and this compounding effect of sowing and reaping. So instead of you, you know, if we were talking about money, you know, you could try to save a million dollars in a year and guess how much money you'd have to put in? Like 999,000 and change to get a million dollars in a year with five or 7% interest. But if you started 40 years ago putting $50 a week, you'd get there by only putting in 70 or $80,000, you'd get to a million. It's incredible because what you're doing is you're leveraging time and this principle of sowing and reaping. So why wouldn't we want to do that in every area of our life? Why wouldn't we want to put these principles into place for us. Paul says, it's time to wake up. It's time to wake up. He says this, so let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of life. Remember, Paul is saying, listen guys, there's a way you're living and it needs to change. You need to take it off and need to put on a new way of living, a new way of thinking, a new way of being. He's talking about changing our ways. And I don't know if you recognize this, but we all have ways. The ways, the way we think, the way we talk to people, the way we text, 
the way we communicate, the way we handle money. And honestly, we have our ways, and our ways came from, well, our ways came from our wiring. Maybe you were born, my wife and I have four kids, and each one of them is different. I don't know how that happened. They're raised in the same home. So they're wired differently. They have different things that, that really kind of, different switches that work for them. But then th- our kids were raised in the same home, and so they were trained in our way. And I don't even know what the Blay way is. Some of you watching who know our family, you'd be like, oh, that's just the way the Blaze do things. It's the Blay way. You, you know what that is. I don't even know. But our kids would absorb our way of behavior. They would have their own individual wiring. And then the things that we choose to do also establish ways and patterns that we live by. And Paul's like, listen, <laughs> wake up. Some of your ways are selfish. Some of your ways are harming you. And you need to, and I need to, put on Christ. We need to take some things off. We need to change our ways and embrace something new and leverage and leverage the power of this compounding interest that grows over time. So he says, let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. By the way, if you want to know what your way is, um, if you're like me and you're not sure what that looks like, there's a couple of things you can do. Number one, you look at your bank account. It'll say a lot about your ways. You can check your social media feed. Uh, you might learn some things about your ways. Uh, you could ask friends. They know all about your ways, your kids, your family members. Uh, there are just so many things that we do each and every day that really, really speaks to and directs us to our way of living and doing things. If I were to give this entire sermon in one sentence, I think it would be this, that the ways you let in are the ways you become set in. In other words, the ways that you live today will actually influence the way that you live tomorrow. It's incredible how this works. Um, See, here's the thing. If you're curious about who you will become in five years, and that's what we're talking about, I can tell you this. Future you will be simply an exaggerated version of current you. Because that's the way it is. So I, I have a picture here. Uh, I put my own picture into the aging booth. Okay, so here's here's my, uh, look at those lovely eyes, you know. This is me in, I don't know, 10, 15 years. I got some wrinkles. You can kind of compare side by side. That's fun. Um, and then we can just take that down. That'd be great. Um, future you is you, but exaggerated. And, and that's true. Like, if you are currently a generous person, I guarantee you, five years from now, you continue on the path, you will just be a more generous version of yourself. You'll be more generous. If you are currently a selfish person, unless there's some dramatic change in the way you live, five years from now, you will be a more selfish person. Uh, if you're a person who's consistent and disciplined today, my guess is that five years from now, you're not going to be a flighty wingbat. You're going to be consistent and purposeful, even more so, because everything just increases. It's just an exaggerated version of current you. So, This is why it's so important for us to consider our ways, our ways. By the way, this is, this is why we need to pay attention when we're choosing someone to date or choosing a spouse, right? Because sometimes we're looking at all the external stuff. You're like, oh yeah, the hardware looks nice. Everything's good. But, but the question is, what are the, what is that person's ways? What are their values? Where are they going? Because, because those are the things that are going to matter in the long run. Because remember, future them will be an exaggerated version of them currently right now. And their way is so important. And your way is so important. I I wrote this down. Uh, Their way is more important. Their way is more important than the size of their wallet or their waist. 
Woo. Their way, the way that they live, the values that they have, the things, the character that they have. We overlook that stuff. We just think, oh, that's not a big deal. But it grows and it expands over time. It compounds. It's so, so important for us to think about. So time will simply do this. Time will simply take your current trajectory and amplify it more more of what you currently have. So the question is, do you like what you currently have? Because uh, if you don't, the future holds more of that unless some changes begin to happen, unless you take off some of your ways and patterns and embrace new ones and put on Christ as, as Paul is talking about. So not only do we have ways, but this is really important. God has ways. Scripture says his ways are higher than our ways. God has a way of being, a way of investing, a way of loving a way of forgiving, a way of generosity. God God has ways, ways of behaving, ways of thinking, motives. And we are encouraged in our text today to put on Christ, which literally means to abandon our way and to embrace his way, to put his way on. And that's why Paul says this. He says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to satisfy its desires. He's actually encouraging us to walk in God's way. There's a couple things we need to note as we wrap things up. Number one is this. Time is not on our side. Time is not on our side. When I was young, I remember thinking I had unlimited time. Um, I'm now in my 40s, and I do not feel that way at all. Time, I don't know, has anyone else noticed this? That the older you get, the faster time goes? Like my parents used to say that, and I used to laugh. I'm like, oh no, you're just old. Now I'm like, no, it's actually true. The older I get, the faster. It's like this 2020 went by so fast for me. It went by faster than 2019. And so here's the thing. We need to understand the time is short. And remember, if we want to take advantage of that compounding interest, if we want to take advantage of the growth that happens through sowing and reaping, we don't have any time to waste. We want to put that time to good use. That's why Paul says in verse 11, once again, he says this, he says, besides, you know the time, the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. Salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is gone. The day is at hand. He's like, there's no time to waste. I'm telling you, Christians can waste a lot of time. There's no time to waste. There's stuff to do that will make a huge impact, not only in five years, but for eternity. Let's get about doing it. Uh, in, in the Psalms, the psalmist writes this, Psalm 90, verse 10. He says, the years of our life are 70. This is so accurate. Or even by reason of strength, 80. And I mean, most people in Canada live late 70s, early 80s. That's kind of the average. So he's, he's right on the money thousands of years ago. It's like, this is what we get. And when we're young, we go, oh, I got lots of time. But when you get into your 40s, 50s, 60s, you're like, there's not a lot of time left. Like, this is, this is getting serious. There's no time to waste. He, he continues a few verses later. He says, so teach us to number our days so that we may get a heart of wisdom. When you recognize how valuable the time is that God has given you, and you don't know if you're going to have six months, if you're going to have five years, if you're going to have 10 years or 30 years left to your life, but the time is short and it's valuable. We're to put it to use. First Peter uh, 1 verse 24, Peter, apostle of Jesus, um, says this. He says, all flesh is like grass, In all of its glory, like the flower of grass, the grass withers, the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Peter actually says that there's something that will outlast, there's something that will outlast your life and mine. Our lives, David said, our lives are like a hand breadth. (laughs) 
this big, like smoke that comes up due in the morning and then it's gone when the sun comes out. That's how short our lives are in light of eternity. And when we recognize that, we, we recognize that there's, there's no time to waste, that there's stuff to, to do. Uh, we need to leverage the time that God has given us in the right way. So I wanted to sh- share one last uh, passage of scripture as I wrap up for today. And again, this is really one message series is going to continue over a four-week period of time. But it's found in Romans 12. It's one chapter prior to the text we've been looking at, verse 2. And here's what he says. He says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He says, You and I have patterns of thinking that dictate our life and what we do. And he says, don't, don't let the world around you dictate the pattern of your life, but rather have your mind and your heart transformed by the renewing, by going to the scriptures, by looking to God, by learning his ways, by taking off our old way and putting on Christ. So we don't want to be conformed to the pattern of this world. When I think about what's wrong with the world, I often think, well, it's the coronavirus. The problem is the economy. The problem is my parents, you know, a lot of people say that. The uh, problem is, you know, uh, I didn't get the opportunities that other people had. I didn't you get, you know, my parents didn't pay for university. I've had setbacks. This happened to me as a child. We have all the reasons, all the problems that are out there. But really what the scripture teaches us is that the problem isn't all that. The problem is the patterns in our lives that need to change. And when we open up the scriptures and we see the way of Christ, it sets for us a new pattern, but just believing in Jesus won't change the pattern in your life. It's a pattern problem, but we adjust it by laying aside our old ways and putting on Christ each and every day. Just like when you get dressed in the morning, it's like today, I'm going to make a small change and just consistent, consistent over time, begin to reap the rewards and benefits. I guess the bottom line is this. If you don't like what you're getting, if you don't like what you're getting, change what you're doing. You know, if, if, if you look back five years ago and you go, hey, I did not arrive where I thought I was going to arrive now, something needs to change. There are some ways, there's some patterns that need to change. And, and you have the opportunity to do that now. You have the opportunity to change what you're doing now that will uh, dictate where you end up in five years. The good news is it's never too late. It's never too late. While there's breath in your lungs, while there's time on the clock, you have the opportunity to begin investing for eternity. You have the opportunity to begin changing the way the future looks for you, for your family, for our church, for our community. You have that opportunity. Here's my final point. The life that you and I are building today is the life that we'll be stuck with five years from today. <laughs> and, and we don't see that. We're like, oh, today's just one day and tomorrow's a day, but one day leads into the next. And the small, consistent things that we do have a compounding effect. And so it'd be easy to hear this message and everyone run out and be like, I'm going to change everything this week. All new, change it. I'm losing 30 pounds this year. I'm doing this. And five years from now, I'm going to have a master's degree. And, and, and it's, it's really easy for us to just go, hey, here's what I'm going to do. But I want to encourage you today as we close the service to do two things. Here's the first thing I want to encourage you to do. Don't run away from this message or leave this, this, this conversation and try to change everything. Don't do that. Instead, what I want to encourage you to do, and this is what I'll be doing, is take the next seven days to pray and to think, where do I want to be in five years? See, it's great to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to hit that target. But like, unless you know exactly what you're after, uh, you don't want to go in and start changing everything. So here's what I want you to do. Think and pray. 
Maybe even as I dared you earlier, ask God the question, God, where would you have me in five years? And then we're going to talk about over the next three weeks how we make those subtle adjustments to arrive at the destination that you would have you and that God would have you in the five years ahead. The second thing I want to encourage you to do is I want to encourage you to come back for the next three weeks. I don't know what your schedule is, but it's never been easier. You can watch anytime online. You can follow us on our podcast. Uh, These messages that we're going to be doing the next three weeks are going to help equip you. Once you know what your goal is, they're going to help to equip you to accomplish uh, those goals that you set, to reset your ways. It's going to help you to physically put handles on how to put on Christ and to change your life, not only now, but in five years from now and in eternity. And so as we close our service, a band's going to lead us in a song, and then Ken, one of our elders, is going to come and lead us in communion as we celebrate and remember what Christ has done for us, the way of love and sacrifice that he modeled for us. Uh, Thank you for being with us. Come on back next week as we continue our series, You in Five Years. Well, thanks for joining us today. That was a fantastic message. I hope it was helpful for you. Uh, Next week, we're going to hear from Levi Lesko in part two. And we're going to learn how to get started. Sometimes the hardest part of change is just getting the ball rolling. It takes so much energy just to just to get going. So we're going to learn how to do that and why we need to do that next week. So come on back and join us once again. Don't forget to subscribe, and we'll see you here next week. Thanks, everyone.